Welcome to the Great Gundam Project. I'm Em. I'm Jackson. And we're here to talk about the Gundam. Woohoo! Gundam, good times. Good times and Gundam times. That's what they say on the white base. I don't think anyone's having a good time on the white base. They're all having a great time. Jackson, have you watched any anime this past week? Gundam. You know what I mean, outside of Gundam. Final Fantasy X, no. No. It's, in fact, one might say that is surprisingly not anime. No, but the sports anime is real for like oh, a couple oh, right. scenes. You you did the sport. You did all the sports anime that's in that game. Yes, no, I'm free. All yeah. four scenes of sports anime. I won how, the Blitz How ball. sports anime is that sports anime section? Incredibly so. Is every sports anime just identical beat for beat exactly? I, I've only I've only really watched one, and uh, it wasn't like it was Hajime no Ippo, which is the boxing anime, and so it's not team based. So I can't really answer that. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and assume yes from okay. the bits of sports anime I've seen. No. People like that boxing one, though. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's also old, which is probably why it is good. It's still on. Uh, Yeah, no, I know, but it's been going a long time. I'm fairly sure it like stopped and then like the manga yeah, no, was going on forever. Because I watched like the anime was. up to where it had stopped back in the day. That was yeah. almost twenty or almost 10 years ago now that I nice. watched Hajime no Ippo. Classic boxing. I've learned everything I know about boxing from that. It taught me more about boxing than Rocky ever did. <laughs> well, yeah, that's because Rocky doesn't actually really talk about boxing ever. I know. It'd be better if it did. Yeah. That's my take. So we're here to talk about Rocky 3 today. <laughs> oh, I don't like Rocky 3. <laughs> you don't like any Rockies. No, I love... You shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rocky 1. Yeah. Uh, I love Rocky Balboa. Rocky nope. 2 is okay. Rocky 3 is bad. It's Rocky 4 where we differ, because I think it's terrible and you think it's hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's hilarious. What are you talking about? It's just boring. He has, it's like he, 30 minutes. He of runs up a mountain while his villain takes steroids and, like, is in a lab. It is amazing. Yes, you're not wrong, apart from the fact that that is, just happens for 30 minutes. That's a 30-minute beat. <laughs> are you telling me that montages are bad? Because we just need to, like, end this podcast and friendship, <laughs> if that's what you're coming at me with. <laughs> that montage is bad. Look, maybe I'll revisit the masterpiece of Rocky Four one day. Uh, yeah. You don't have yeah. to. Yeah. Rocky yeah. Four hasn't changed. <laughs> the world has. Or has it? We should talk about Gundam. It's true. We should do that. Today, we are covering episode seven and episode eight. Episode seven, I'm going to give you a summary. It is called The Core Fighter's Escape. It is that in both of our translations, correct? Yes. Okay. The White Base is deep in enemy territory. Needing to contact the Earth Federation forces to let them know they're here on the planet, the White Base team concoct a plan to use the Gundam Catapult to launch the Core Fighter above the Xeon encampments. This dangerous high-G mission is taken up by Amaro, who volunteers with confidence. Meanwhile, on the White Base, the elderly refugees are restless and afraid that they'll never get off the ship and never able be able to return to the Earth that they've not seen in decades. They take Fraubo and the kids hostage, demanding to negotiate. Amaro is leaving the ship, and Kai accuses him of not caring about his friends and for burying himself in dangerous missions, but Amaro states he's simply confident in the rest of his crew, and he's not a coward, unlike Kai. The core fighter launches, Amaro blacks out from the G-Force, but by the time he wakes up, Char and the Xeon fighters have both identified him and launched and are on his tail. Uh, forced to give up his mission and return to the White Base, Amaro gets in the Gundam with much consternation and struggles to adapt to mid-air freefall combat. 
Char it does not have that problem because Char is awesome, but his appearance on the battlefield draws Amaro into getting ready to fight and ready to beat Char, and he single-handedly beats up those guys and Char retreats. During the battle, the refugees stage a sit-in on the white base, refusing to budge until they're put down on Earth. Amaro returns and clashes with the refugees. Uh, he yells at them. But in yelling at them, his resolve starts to crack about being a tough soldier, and Mirai defuses the situation by giving Amaro some tea and telling the refugees to get lost. We'll deal with you later. The end. <laughs> yep. It's uh, it's a sad Amaro time. Uh, Amaro, like, immediately signing up for, like, the suicide mission, but then the minute he has to get in his robot and fight again, being, like, actually, like, a sweaty mess is the best characterization of traumatized boy soldier that I've ever seen in an anime, really. Yep. He's, like, instantly ready to go, I'm gonna go die, I'm gonna go die right now, I, watch me, I'll fucking die, you don't even have to tell me. And then the second he has to do anything else, he's like, oh, shit, oh, God, God. yeah. Yep. <laughs> And then and he then, gets mad at everyone else. Yep, and then him, like, coming back is like, oh, you did it, you're the soldier, and he immediately is just not. He's just a kid who is very upset, and, like, those old people are so taken aback by his fragility when he comes at them. Yep. I'd much rather have, like, about to break down Amro than, like, stoically walks to his bed and lies in it for a day Amro. <laughs> same, same. I'm glad that they uh, walked back from... Like, it's not the... Uh, they're not taking the approach of having Amaro just be stoic and sad and detached all season. Yeah. Because I've seen that. You know, that's happened in other things. Yeah, there's so many ways in which you can be traumatized. Amaro will probably go through all of them. <laughs> in just 43 episodes. Yep. <laughs> Truly, the pacing of Gundam is unmatched. Yep. Uh, Kai is 100% the kind of character that I can uh, find myself in, where they just don't quite know when to stop needling people. I love Kai. Because <laughs> uh, he, he, he immediately, like, when, like, Frabo and everyone's taken hostage, and it's not, like, a super serious hostage situation, but it is a situation. And Amro's like, I'm just going to go do my mission. You take care of this. He's like, how could you just leave your friends like that? And then he's so... Amro wheels on him and yells at him, but then he doesn't stop because he does the same thing to Bright. He's like, oh, this situation, Amro, blah, blah, blah. And Bright just fucking turns and punches him because Bright has no time for this bullshit. Because <laughs> uh, Bright's the fucking best, as established yeah. on this podcast. Yep. Uh, but no, Kai's great because Kai gets a lot of time in both these episodes, and we'll talk probably more about him next time. But I love Kai as just a... Uh, like, he is kind of a coward and he is kind of a shit, but he's also just doesn't know like he's also just another traumatized kid and his way of dealing with it is to poke everyone until they punch him in the face you know maybe it's not a good idea for bright to be like punching children in his like command no but bright would like like it's very hard to get under Bright's skin bright is very reserved bright is very he will do the right thing but kai can just get him to punch him in like four sentences yeah no it was it was very <laughs> fast uh worth mentioning in these episodes bright is still suffering under the command of that guy with the like bad uh shoulder um, or whatever yeah. from the last episode the asshole in command <laughs> Uh, I'm assuming at some point he's going to fuck off because... I don't I, know his name, so yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think of Bright as, like, the commander, but he's only the commander because they don't have anyone else higher ranked on there. Yep. So as soon as anyone who's higher ranked shows up, they just take command. But yeah. they can't actually do anything because they don't know the ship or the crew, so Bright's still in command. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I love uh, Char in, like, the 
the like orbital re-entry vehicle chasing after the core fighter like the actual worst idea but char does not care char is just gonna go and get it uh the the stuff with uh char and gama and these i so last time I said something that was pretty stupid and was like, oh, Char seems like ridiculous with his friend and they're like competing, but he doesn't seem actively malicious towards his friend. That's That's not until next episode. (laughs) That's true. But even in this one, he's like every five seconds, he goes like, oh, yes. Uh, in his head, he's going like, oh, yes, uh, Gama has not realized this crucial thing. I will have to either do it for him or just not mention it until Gama fails. Uh, the thing that's interesting in this episode is Gama is the one who uh, like ascertains that the core fighter is a like a module that slots into the various Gundam uh, equipment on the ship. And mm-hmm. uh, Char is very upset at the idea that they have like this this like the pilot can just be in anything and they might not have even seen all of the armaments that they have on the white base and what they can do yet uh it was a cool reveal because the way that i've been expecting and that has been true so far of the reveal of what the gundam can do uh has been they get into a situation and then they activate the power like you know they get into a situation so they have the gundam hammer they get into a situation so they have the beam rifle and you're like oh that's what they have now uh but i like them like this is the first hint to the audience that the gundam has been capable of this and i liked uh zeon getting a glimpse of its capabilities through their like weird espionage but also computer calculations and char going fuck i've been outdone by a gundam <laughs> yep preemptively <laughs> yeah no I mean, none of the zakus can do that they're just zakus like char zaku is special because it's painted red it's very like it's very like uh old technology in that way yeah uh but no char there's like a line where he goes can we intercept it and they go if we uh if we launch in one minute we can intercept it in this time and he just like is already gone he basically turns around and there's no one there yep. <laughs> uh, and then as that fight's happening the re-entry vehicle that um char and gren are in uh because gren is like just char's right hand man who who doesn't actually do anything but will do what he's told um it gets hit real bad but char's like that's fine it's fine it's fine like who cares what uh it gets hit but not in like an actual damaged way but then char's immediately like no like put us into a nosedive make it look like we're shot down and then the minute that like the core fighter is otherwise engaged it pulls back up and gets into the fray again and then it like releases the Zaku. Yeah. Cuz they have that free fall. The free fall fight is ridiculous. It's really cool. They should that's probably a- put like jets on a Gundam though. That's probably a good idea, I feel like. I it is. I mean, why would they? It's not for it's for space. Yep. I I mean, uh I assume we will get to the era where all the Gundams can do everything, right? Like those shows um, undoubtedly exist. I mean, they definitely exist, but I wonder how long it'll take to get there. I wonder how long because in my head, it'll take like five. In a modern anime, it would take about twenty episodes, and then power creep would have ruined everything. But this is from the seventies, so we could be here for like a decade in Gundam time before that happens. That's true. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't remember them getting like air maneuverability like in this show. So I think we'll be fine yeah. for now. We'll see. We'll see how long that takes. Don't tell us. We're on this journey. I mean, I know the answer, kind of. I only okay. half remember it, though. <laughs> the most dangerous kind of knowing. That is that is definitely that. Uh, I think that's it for this episode. Uh, we, there's much more to dig into in the next episode. So do you just want to move on? Uh, yeah, I just uh, I like the kids in this. The kids are great in all of them. Kids yep. getting held hostage and then like yelling when they are really... Because it's ridiculous as the... Um, 
old people like stage this riot but it's really toothless because they're not actually going to hurt the kids they just want to be let off uh and then all the earth federation like we we're in a war we can't actually do that we're doing this for you and amaro has a big yell at them uh but it's really hilarious when they're like you're causing a disruption on the bridge and the way that ends is a bunch of kids running the bridge and start yelling yep and you're like, ah, oh, everything's returned to normal. The yelling children are here. The children are the most resilient people in this entire war. I love them so much. Yeah, they've known nothing else. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go catch the musical break, and we'll be back with episode eight. Shoot! Episode eight is called "The Battlefield Is a Wasteland." No, it's not. It's called The Winds of War. <laughs> um, like, that's much more evocative, but I like my title better in this instance. <laughs> the Battlefield is a Wasteland? Yes. It, I mean, it's very, like, just straight translation, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway. The White Base heads through the Grand Canyon, using it to shield them from Zeon bombardment. Assuming the Zeon ground forces are mobilizing at Lake Mead, the refugees use this time to demand the White Base drop them off here before they get into another battle and their opportunity to disembark is lost. The White Base concocts a plan to ask Zeon for a ceasefire to allow, under Zeon observation, a damaged scout ship to allow refugees to land. They agree, and Kai preps fake damage to their transport carrier to trick Zeon into believing they're doing far more damage to the White Base than they are. The people are let out onto the whirl of vaporized towns and new lakes created by bombing runs pockmarking the planet. The pilots leave on jetpack back to the white base to lead the Xeon observation ship away, revealing that the Gundam has been stowed on the troop transport to set up a forward position and flank the Xeon forces. Amro's eagerness to get out there and fight the Xeons prove ruin- ruinous, however, as it is discovered and for- as he's discovered and forces the battle before they're ready. Every weapon on the white base is sent out. Kai sees the horrors of battle firsthand, and the gun tank, gun cannon, and Gundam are able to destroy the Xeon troops, allowing them to get one step closer to Federation territory. This is the best episode so far. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, uh, one thing I just want to say about my subtitles. Um, so, in my subtitles, it is called The Great Canyon. Oh, really? And it is not Lake Mead, it is Lake Mid. Like, so it just sounds like generic, this is the big canyon, and we're going to Middle Lake. <laughs> and this is the official Blu-ray subtitle, so what the fuck? I wonder if mine, if mine is just, like, is not accurate. Uh, like, I would, I would totally not be surprised if that, uh, if the original version of it was meant to evoke real places, but not be real places. And then the, in the translation, they just use the real places. Sure, but Lake Mead's like a real place. Yeah, I know. And the Grand Canyon, again, a real place. Sure, but like you can't like I don't know, localizing that to Great and Middle Canyon is a bit. But what know. I'm saying is what like the original Japanese might also be like Lake Mid. And then yeah. when mine went on, they were like, Oh, Grand Canyon, Lake Mead, these are real places, blah blah blah. Like they just did that work. Uh to make the leap that like the show originally wanted to evoke without actually using the words. Yeah, we'll see. I don't actually know how that ended up working out, but I thought it was, I couldn't tell if it was on purpose of this is clearly the Grand Canyon, but it's been kind of lost to time and context because half of the population died in six months. Yep. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And like the landscape of Earth as we know it has like radically changed because the Grand Canyon is not around a bunch of like green hills and like weird pastoral scenes that are created by like the like bombing fields of world war one like that's what it looks like just like the small european towns that were just wiped off the face of the map 
in the world wars like that's what we're looking at when we see these these spaces it's it's a real thing it's a hmm. this episode's a lot it is obviously the same length as all the other episodes but they fit a bunch more in uh there is a subplot that we didn't even mention in the description because it's what we're gonna like talk about yeah. uh with a lady and her child trying to get let off to go to the town st agnes who which is like where uh the kid's father grew up before he died part of the reason i think that the geography of this is meant to be more evocative than specific is that i don't think there's any town called saint Agnes anywhere near the grand canyon no that's japanese europe <laughs> yeah and like the space that they're depicting looks like japanese europe but they call it the grand canyon like yeah. i don't know <laughs> yeah who knows Yep. um but yeah so she's she wants to get off the ship everyone wants to get off the ship and that they make that agreement that, hey, we're going to do the ceasefire. Um, my favorite thing through all of this is this entire plan has been concocted. And every time that it cuts back to Garmin, Char, Garmin's like, okay, we're going to let them do this. And Char's like, wait a second, this is a trap. And then Amro does like, the, or like the white base team and Amro do like the one thing that convinces Char that no, it's actually fine. It's not a trap. And it's still a trap. Like the, he's like so close to catching on before like they get anything done. And he like, they're just outsmarting him like by one step. Uh, Char ca- catches on. I know. Well, he suspects from the outset, but there's that one moment where he's like, wait a second, this doesn't seem right. And then there is like the, like they fake that like one of the rotors is damaged and they have to put down and Char's like, no, never mind. I, I was just imagining things. Mm hmm. Like, if they, if Amro was not, like, inside the, like, damage kite blown into the side of the ship, like, with a flare, like, with smoke <laughs> pouring out, they would have shot them down and everyone would be dead. There is an amazing shot of, uh, Amro, uh, is it, no, Kai's back in the white base, it's Amro, Ryu, and someone else, Sailor, is, is Sailor there with them? Uh, um, Frau Bo's with them. Is it Frau Bo? Okay, yes, I forgot who, who came with, um. But they're all standing there, visible through the hole in the ship that they blew up. Like, they, they blew their own hole in the ship in order to uh, fake that they had been, like, damaged and were shot down. Uh, Kai, under the supervision of the three children, <laughs> blows a hole in the ship. Oh, it's so good. Is, isn't Haro there and Haro gets, like, sent rolling back to death? Yep. There's a lot of cute Haro in this episode, just being an adorable <laughs> robot. It is really for for like being like kind of like the mascot that's like in the opening. Haru is like not in the show at all. It's just in the, it like around the perimeter of being adorable. Uh, I love Haru. I finally realized when he went around saying hello to everyone that that's his name. Yep. <laughs> it's like oh right, and Haru. Yes, I get. I'm there. I, f- I figured it out. I caught up to you, Gundam. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very cute. <laughs> Because Kai's like, it's fine. We're going to blow up this thing. It's going to be fine. And you just leave me alone. I have, we have to do this. And he blows up the ship. And then all three children are sent flying. <laughs> yeah. It's like a ridiculous, like, Looney Tunes, Wile E. Coyote explosion. Yes. I, it, it is uh, a good scene. It is yep. not what you would expect from the rest of the tone of this episode. Because, yeah, they're on the ship. And they're just, they've got a smoke flare. And all three of them are just holding it towards the hole in order to convince them that they've been shot down. No. Well, also, like, before that happens, before, like, as the Xeon, like, observation ship flies by, like, Amro and Frau Bo are just in a window, like, waving to the Xeons. And then, like, it pans to the other window, which is the mother and the child also just waving. And the Xeon pilots are like, oh, that adorable baby. And they, like, wave to it and stuff. And this is the first episode that is, like, for the troops, like, fighting this war, even though, like, Xeon forces are, like, spacers that live on the farthest from Earth, and they're all weird about it, and we'll get into some of the, like, politics stuff of Xeon sooner rather than later, I think. But, um, 
the people in the war are just people and the Xeon forces are not like inhuman monsters. They're just, they're just dudes who probably also have families out in space still. Uh, like the way that they act towards that mother and child specifically is like really good. Yeah. So the subplot basically revolves around, they let the refugees off and most of them go to the lake and they heading off towards uh, the big towns or wherever. Uh, and they let them go. You mean you mean the three houses that are left standing? Yes, the th- yes they go to the three houses that have not been blown up, uh, <laughs> and the mother and the child head off towards uh, St Agnes, which is off in the other direction, or St. Yeah, Agnes, because, because her 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 husband used to live there. Yeah, and she's like, I'm going to take my child there, and we're going to grow up there together. Uh, and so they head off on this long hike through the wasteland in order to try to reach uh, St Agnes, and the Xeon pilots are like. Th- that that lady is going in the wrong direction. Where the fuck is she going? And head off towards them. And Amaro well, notices this. So, thinks, no, the thing the thing that happens is okay. So th- they notice that the lady's setting off on her own, and then they have to follow the pilots that escape the transport, like Frau Bo, uh, Rio, and someone else. Like get in jetpacks and fly towards the white base to lead the Xeon ship off. And then the Gundam comes out because the gun has been stored inside the troop transport. But then the pilots realizing that oh these people are just flying to the white base it's fine like Fraubo like blue, like winks at the pilot or something it's very ridiculous, uh, but then he's like worried about that mom and kid wandering the wilderness so he's like let's go back and like they they go back to like drop off supplies but in that time Amro's gotten out and is in the Gundam and sees them coming back and like dropping off things it's like oh are they gonna bomb this mother and child and almost shoots them as they like drop this supply packet that's full of food and stuff and. It's Amro like being ready to shoot them. Like the reason that they spot him is because they see the glint off of his rifle, like the beam rifle, and this like Amro like giving up their plan because he is just ready to shoot down the Zeon forces that have done technically nothing wrong in this instance. Like they've been they've been helping them out. They're making them land. Like it speaks like ill of Amro, but also ill of the situation where like no one's willing to give anyone any sort of trust. Yeah, no, Amaro is the most traumatized war boy right now and is unable to, like, his need to protect everyone uh, through being the best Gundam and just through fighting everyone has completely fucked these two. Because there's a moment where they're all, they've almost flown back and they've dropped the supplies off and they haven't seen him yet. And it's like, oh, it's going to be fine. But then they see the glint of his rifle. And he's like, well, I guess you saw me. So now I've got to shoot you. And he blows up their ship and it goes yep. and crashes. But it doesn't uh, kill them, thankfully. They they end up having a picnic with mom and the child. Yeah. Like, with so that's, the like a, that, that's like a reveal. Like the battle happens yep. and you think, yeah, no, oh. Like that, that super intense battle where like everything on the white base is going up against all of these Xeon forces on the ground. And it's like really intense. And then it cuts to the two pilots and the mother and child like in the field eating the supplies as you just see like the like flashes over the hills of the fight like reflected off the clouds and it's a lot because you you think that the sad tag on the episode is oh those two pilots who were helping out actually had to die and you think that that's the the route it's taking until the end and then you get that scene and the actual sad tag is when they tell the mother that they're standing in the ruins of St. Agnes and there's nothing there and she should go back to the lake and go back to the other three standing houses but also, like those two, those two soldiers are like, "Huh, the war, se- the, that battle seems really intense. Wonder who's winning." Like they're so like not affected by what is happening because they're not in it. Like they've just, this is just their life where there is always a battle happening and people are dying. And as long as it's not them, they can just have this detachment that is from like we've done this too long, even though it's only been like two years or whatever. 
Yeah, because the battle that is going on isn't actually going to decide the fate of the war. It's not actually going to really change anything. There's always going to be another one. So it, so who wins to the... It's the same as like working at a company and like, oh, is my company going to have more sales than the other one? I Who cares? Yep. Like, I just, this, I just work here. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the White Base uh, stomping all of Garma's forces and Garma becoming a sweaty mess is also really good. Like... <laughs> Garma Char, becomes- Char is there just being like, oh, Garma, you child. You had no idea what you were up against. I knew. Well, because the way it goes is Garma goes, is um, uh, Char goes, he's been like poking at Gar- uh, Garma the whole time, but monologuing, oh, if this fails, truly he'll be outed as incompetent. <laughs> uh, and then he finally says, did you check inside the troop tank? Because there's probably a Gundam in there. There's, there's definitely a Gundam in there. There's 100% a Gundam in there. I would have put a Gundam in there. There's a Gundam in there. Charmiga, uh, Garma goes, there's no Gundam in there. What are you talking about? The next line is like, a Gundam has emerged from the troop tank. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yep. Uh, for all the uh, ineptitude of the white base forces, I like that they are like, preternaturally about as good a tactician as Char. Like, that's the only thing that's saving them. Um, now, like, at the start, they were definitely worse and were kind of sure. only making but it like, through through power like, and luck. Like, Amuro and his friends, like, cock schemes that are as good as anything Char would decide. And Char is, like, known as a tricky person. Like, that is why they are making it through, is because they are better than, like, just a soldier following orders. Yeah, I like the... The uh, introduction of Gama as it is easy to originally read Char as a fancy boy uh, tactician master, but then you get to the actual fancy boy tactician master and he can't tell what's going on. And it's clear that uh, like Bright and Amro and everyone, as well as Char, just think in a different way to the usual soldiers and are able to uh, use common sense in a way that war has kind of uh, like... Uh, what's the word like chipped off of the people who've been in it too long or too much yeah um yeah so i'm excited to go back to char and i'm glad we've had a break from like char chasing everyone but i'm also excited to go back to that uh one uh more thing kai in the gun cannon which i think is the first time we've seen the gun cannon it is the dumbest looking mobile suit (laughs) i didn't realize it was a mo i thought it was the the gun, because t- the, the gun tank is the the thing that drives it on the ground with yes. the treads. The gun cannon is just a generic red robot with like gun shoulders. It's just a tiny transformer looking thing. Yeah, it's really bad. I was like, wow, that's huh? Okay, yeah, sure, yeah. I guess. But Kai is in that having like the actual like uh, Evangelion freak out. Like, I cannot handle this. I am just gonna fire my guns until they are depleted destroys everything he is not ready to be in battle at all he's not ready and also he's in a very he's not got the power of the gundam that amuro has saving him so no. he just kind of blunders through and amuro stops a bunch of zakus from getting him oh and- right there's that shot of like the gundam up on like a rock with holding its rifle just being like a fucking lord <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just shooting the guy who's about to stab uh yeah. kai uh and the battle like turns very quickly as they kill everyone and kai's like i can do it too i'm on the battlefield i've i'm not just a shithead you'll you'll see um and like the battle ends with they have won very clearly uh and there's zaku running away but amuro just decides to follow them and make sure no like no survivors get fucked yeah no if the gundam wants you dead you are dead it's a bad time 
on the battlefield, which is a wasteland. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, for those, like, when you humanize the grunts of the Xeon forces or whatever, and they're just dudes doing their job, like, what the Gundam represents is actually a terrifying thing. Just this super powerful, high-tech robot that you don't understand, that doesn't act like any of your machines, and will just murder all of you. And it does that. <laughs> yeah, it does that really well. It does that really well. War is hell. <laughs> War is hell. I think that's it for Gundam. That is that week. is a Gundam. That was a good episode. <laughs> that that was good. I think we had a good time. Yep. I am excited to get into we will almost be a quarter done next episode. Almost. Not quite. A quarter done with this show, one percent done with Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> Decades of Gundam. Uh a decade of Gundam. Let's see. Yeah, a decade is probably right. Yeah. So, uh, as usual, if you have any comments or whatever, send them to podcast at normalmapping.com. Please tell your friends about the show. Uh, you know, let them know. The Patreon is cheap. You only need a dollar uh, to get in, and these episodes are good. And, uh, you know, thanks everyone for your support. Uh, we Thank couldn't you. do it without you. Nope. I think that's it. Goodbye. 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 Gondamu. Gondamaro. <laughs> <laughs> アムロ振り向かないで宇宙の彼方に輝く星はアムロお前の生まれたふるさとだ覚えているかい少年の日のことを温かい温もりの中で目覚めた朝を宇宙の果てに煌めく星はアムロお前が捨てた故郷だ忘れはしない少年の日の誓いを青春をかけ守り抜けこの幸せをアムロ振り向くなアムロ男は寂しさ隠すもの隠すものただ明日へと明日へと永遠に覚えているかい少年の日のことを温かいぬくもりの中で目覚めた朝をアムロ振り向くなアムロ
こは涙を見せぬもの見せぬものただ明日へと明日へと永遠に